Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by MAP. My name's Alex Clements. Um, I'm here with Campbell Flakemore just for the intro actually today, Cambo. We've got a uh, an interview with Simon Gerrans on his uh, progression from monument winner to things he's talking about. He's a currency exchanger. Works, Banker. Works for an investment bank. So we're going to talk to him about that. But you're here. To talk about uh, your give us give us an update on your Suffervest program. Uh, have you been wearing the map kit, the map Knicks? I have been wearing the map Knicks and socks as well. It gets and pretty socks. yeah, it gets pretty hot in the living room, so it's just it's just Knicks, no jersey. Where'd you get the socks from? Um, when I went to Germany, we got that little uh, little, little package, yeah, little, little pack. sock, little yeah, starter pack. So yeah, week five is in the books. Three sessions again: Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Three pretty solid sessions, actually. Have you weighed yourself? Um, a few weeks ago, eighty-two. Did you weigh yourself pre? I didn't. I didn't. That would have been a good stat. It would have been. I don't have scales in my house, so it's just when I'm mm, elsewhere, I, I pick difficult. up on scales. But I think I'm about eighty-two. So yeah, three sessions. Did the defender this week? So that's working mostly on FTP power and my five-minute power. So it's pretty. Pretty grippy session. FTP uh, twenty. That's twenty minute. The, the twenty minute. So a combination. A combination of the two. That's the one that the punters are going for on the uh, Instagram challenge. That's correct. That's correct. Like I said, anywhere between two ninety and three ten. Yeah. If you, if you if you haven't put in your vote or punt yet, go back to our Instagram feed and you'll find a post where there's competition to win a t-shirt. If you guess Campbell's twenty minute power as part of his four DP final test at the end of the twelve. Twelve week, ten week, ten week, ten week program. Yeah. What do you? What's the, what's the defender do? So, like I said, it's it's mostly top uh, end. Uh, not quite top end. Like I said, mostly FTP and five minute power. So working uh, around sort of two sixty for the FTP and then three twenty for the for the five minute work, which is actually about two or three minute efforts. But in this session, uh, it's footage from the welter. So you're the the leader of a grand tour, and you're defending your lead. So every all the all the workouts, um, is it from a year? Uh, I think it's 2015 or 2016. There's a lot of uh, Darwin Adapuma. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're Darwin. So a lot of it is just sort of diesel work. Nothing, nothing really too high end. Just defending. So hence the the name defender. And it's a one hour session. So. Again, a long time on the turbo, but it, it tends to go quite quickly. Is it good throwing back the clock to some of these old school races? A little bit. Is, is there any good classics in there? So yeah, they got they got footage from all the classics. There's a session that I'm doing next week, which I've looked into uh, down the track that has Gent Webblegum. Yeah, 2015. Does it? So probably the best race we of all time. We might have to get that get that footage. Out from the YouTube and onto the Insta. Yeah, it's uh, it's the best race of all time. So I'm looking forward to working to that. But yeah, uh, classics um, and the welter. I think the Giro is also used as well. I don't think they have the rights to ASO, but you're racing in in pretty much every race besides the ASO races. So yeah, pretty cool. Today's podcast we touched on before. It's with um, Simon Gerrans, the former. Australian road professional. He's got an absolute doozy of a Palmares. Won the general, tour down under four times. A Milan San Remo winner, Lies Best on the Age winner, two times Tour de France stage winner. 
picked up a cheeky fire stage at TDU on the road to winning it the GC four times. Touched on his career a little bit, but the main focus is how he progressed out of cycling, how he decided he was done, and how on earth he ended up as an investment banker uh, less less than one year later. So we caught up with him in London after a big shift at the office. And if you do want to support the podcast, if you could please leave a review on iTunes, tell a friend about it, leave a comment on the socials. If you want to follow us on the socials, we're Stanley Street Social on all the platforms. Um, and next week, we've got another interview that we pre-recorded this year with Wayne Swash. We uh, is our second podcast with him. We did an initial one maybe last season, um, and we checked back in with him to see how his pucker-up's going, how the mental health space has changed in the year, um, and what's next for him and pucker-up. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast, Simon. Thanks, Alex. Good to be here. We're sitting in London. What do you get up to today? What's my day entitled today? In, entitled today, it's um, so my alarm went off at five o'clock this morning, as it does sort of Monday to Friday, pretty much every week. Sort of uh, yeah, got up and got going. I was out of the house by probably about twenty past five. Um, I shared a an Uber with a work colleague who lives just around the corner, and we went into work to be in there and in the gym by six. I sort of did a quick workout in the gym, shower there. Um, and then I started at work at seven. I kind of been pretty much, uh, I was pretty much on the desk from sort of seven basically till uh, nearly 6 p.m. You're at Goldman Sachs. What are you doing? What am I doing? Okay, so what I have been doing is probably more relevant to, than what I am doing currently. So over the past sort of six months um, since joining Goldman Sachs, I did a, an internship program um, and I guess it's sort of loosely titled what I did as an athlete internship program. But Goldman's are great at integrating sort of people into the business that have sort of been successful in other sort of walks of life. Um, they have a very well publicised uh, ex-military program where they integrate veterans into the business. Um, and on a much smaller scale, they do the same thing with, with athletes. So I kind of heard about this program, uh, managed to connect with the right people, uh, applied did 20 odd interviews over an extended period of time till they sort of agreed to take me on on this program for me the program entailed six months of rotations around the securities division so working with different teams on different desks from uh, commodities desk to an equities uh, sales trading desk to areas like prime brokerage foreign exchange a whole array of different sort of areas in the securities division um, and over the past sort of short, well, a short while ago, I landed on an, an FX desk where they offered me a permanent position, um, which I happily accepted. So I sort of go permanent any day now, basically. What's an FX desk? Okay, so FX is foreign exchange. Yeah. Okay, and there are different elements of foreign exchange within how it's traded, who it's traded with, and locations that it's traded, as well as obviously an array of different sort of currencies and that sort of thing. Like, when did this idea come about? I guess it came about quite some time ago as in what I wanted to do when I finished racing. It's obviously a pretty pivotal sort of point in time in your life as an athlete with a shelf life as an athlete to decide what you're going to do next. 
And it would pretty much came about in the last few years of my career where I was sort of interacting more and more with a corporate environment via events, charity bike rides, sort of um, public speaking engagements, that sort of thing. And that's what really sparked an interest in sort of financial services. The more I researched about financial services and how people sort of get into that industry, a lot of them start with banks and investment banks in different different ways. So that's what sort of sparked an interest in financial services and finding out the avenue that a lot of people, the way a lot of people have sort of got into that this industry. Um, I thought that sounded like a great a great thing to try and do for myself. And it's been good. It's been great. It's been really good. It's obviously been difficult, probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Because um, you came in with no finance experience? No formal beside, education. Besides the um, corporate gigs you'd done, I guess. Yeah, but I don't think that really counts as financial yeah. experience. Um, obviously, I've uh, well, I've done a little bit of my own investing over the last few years, but I had no formal education in, in financial services whatsoever. Um, so the learning curve has just been ridiculously steep. Just walking to the office there, it's like, particularly initially for the first period of time, it's like everyone was speaking another language and I didn't understand a word of it. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a challenge. It's been tough and it's been a big commitment. But in saying that, it's been really structured and I think that's been great for me off the back of being a part of such an structured environment as professional cycling is for so long. Mm. So you, this was when you are at BMC last couple of years this was all going going through your head what i want to do where i want to be and this just stood out for you yeah it stood out for me initially because i think it's an area that i'm interested in and it's also a great segue into so many other things um i think if you have the sort of fundamentals of finance down pat um it's sort of a great building blocks for any role uh in business or any corporate environment um and this was really going through my head the last couple of years of my career. And actually, funnily enough, I had it all lined up to start at the beginning of 2018. So 2017 I was, was going to be my last season. And then basically uh, Richie approached me quite late in the year about doing one more year uh, alongside him at BMC. And I thought this is a great way to do sort of one final year um, with the goal of trying to win the Tour de France with Richie. Obviously, history shows that didn't eventuate. Um, but 2018, in my head for that whole season, that was that one last year. How did you find um, getting back into that learning environment? It's been it's been a challenge, and and I think it's just a whole different sort of it's nearly a whole different kind of fitness. You know, you can be mm. fit as you like as an as an athlete, but for me, the first uh, the challenge, particularly in the first month or two was actually being able to concentrate and focus and trying to absorb information for an extended period of time. And I found that like by shortly after lunch each day, I was just dead tired. I could hardly keep my eyes open. So that was the initial first big challenge of, of basically training yourself to be able to concentrate and try and absorb information. And how long did that take to get? Because how long, how long was your career? How many years? Uh, I was professional for 14 years. And I raced on the amateur scene for, I don't know, five or so years before that. Yeah. How, how long did it take to adapt to that scenario? Because it, it, that's not, you're also not doing a nine to five. Like you're doing, if you're starting at seven, some big days in the office. 
uh, and honestly, I'm still adapting to that. Um, at the by by Friday night, I'm sort of exhausted and hanging out for the weekend, like like everybody else. Um, so it's still it's still hard, and it's you know, and I think it's going to take sort of some time yet to really fully adapt to that. Mm. Are you still riding? Yeah, I still try and ride my bike sort of on the weekends. Try and get out. I have a a group of mates here in London that I've sort of met over the past six months. Um, but it's very social now. We get out and we do sort of 60 or 70 Ks on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, stop and have a coffee and have a laugh and, and that's it. Try and get home to spend the rest of the, the day and the weekend with my family. Mm. And I've seen you start to do some commentary. Do you still, is there still that urge to be involved in the sport or is this kind of the new, the new Simon Gerrans? Um, I still being I still enjoy being involved in the sport in in some capacity. Um, I have no desire at this stage to work with a professional team. I kind of like the fact that I can go in and and do a day or two of commentary here or there, and then walk out of that studio. I'm no longer committed to the sport, mm. um, and I get to go home and and just uh, again spend some time with my family and and focus on uh, my my sort of day job. Um, but I'm still very enthusiastic about the sport. I'm still obviously a big fan of the sport. Um, I love watching it when I have the opportunity. But um, sort of my life isn't based around it anywhere near like it used to be, that's for sure. Yeah. You were saying before, that, those kind of last years, it, it was the end of Simon Guerin's career um, and then straight into banking. Do you, do you still see that, that Simon Guerin's is the brand Simon Guerin's, the bike rider? For me now, it nearly feels like it's just a previous life and it's so distant to what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis these days. My cycling career kind of feels like a movie that I watched a couple of weeks ago Mm. Um, because transitioning to London for me, the only thing that remained the same was my immediate family. Everything else changed from where I was living to the people I was socialising with, from where I was the clothes I'm wearing on a daily basis, um, let alone what I'm doing for work, everything changed. So it just feels now like a distant memory. Um, and, you know, people sort of ask, you know, was that you who did that? And it nearly feels like, yeah, that that used to be me mm. type thing. Is there certain parts of that that used to be you that you've pulled out of it? Things that you notice you're like, oh, that, that works in the real world? skills traits most of it works in the real world and i think the reason that i've sort of been offered a job um at goldman sachs it's not that's the the financial skills that i have because they're they're so minimal it's the traits of of personality traits and the way that they see i'm going to be able to apply what i learned in cycling and what i what i how I approached my career as an athlete um, in a corporate environment and be successful in that way. Was it hard to put it behind you? No, it wasn't hard to put it behind me and I don't miss it at all, which sort of assures me that it was the right time to to move on and do something else. Um, Because I got to the end, I got to the point in my career for the last couple of years and I really felt like the sport has been really good to me. I've enjoyed it, but I've got it. I've achieved everything in the sport that I'm going to achieve and I've got everything out of it and even more so than I ever would have dreamt. So I was just ready for a new challenge 
and and a, just a new environment. So I think that's that's what really um, drew me to to Goldman's as well. Going through this transition now, do you understand how some athletes really struggle with it, finishing the sport, either voluntary like you or involuntary without a contract? Do you understand how that like how that is a tough process? Yeah, I think it would be really tough. Um, I was kind of fortunate that I was able to walk away on my own terms. Um, I had the opportunities to to race again this year, and I chose not to not to take that path. Um, but I think to a lot of people, they really attach their identity to their sport and what they're doing on a day to day. And if that's taken away from you unexpectedly, um, I think that would be very difficult. Mm. The t- the team. Or do you think that's on that the athlete? To know that, or do you think that's on the sport or the the organisations there within to, I guess, help them through that that reality that is that is sport. Um, I think. Listen, I think that people can always do more for themselves, and I think organisations can do more as well. But I think it's a bit of a cop out when people just blame the system for their misgivings and their and their situation. Uh, I think a lot of athletes could do a heck of a lot more to prepare themselves for what they're going to do post-career um, for when that stops on their own terms or that's taken away from them. Um, and I think there's probably could be some really simple structures in place uh, by sporting organisations uh, to really help athletes prepare for what's coming. What would you do if you're an organisation? Um, I think just something like some really simple regular contact with athletes who have who have immediately left um, organisations, and probably even when that contact goes unresponded, I think even more follow up contact um, would be would be good. And and I was really fortunate to be part of several sort of like state institutes and and national institutes in Australia, and and they've reached out to me several times saying you know just letting you know we have these services provided anything you can anything we can do please sing out that sort of thing um so that's been great and if i was searching for that that would have been there but because my life has been so busy and i've had so much on um i haven't really needed or or required any of those sort of any of that sort of help yeah what what's the goal now like what, what drives you now what drives me now is firstly the I'm actually sort of again at a bit of a transitional period because the the goal of the first six months of, of working at, at Goldman Sachs was to get a job basically to try and convert my internship which in cycling cycling terms is like having a stagiaire role um, into a permanent contract and getting that that professional gig um, now I've got that for me, it's about as learning as much as I can and being able to contribute to the business as quickly as I can to sort of justify my place and, and prove my worth as well. Do you want to move back home? I'm not ruling it out and I never would. Um, but for the time being and for the next time, be- for the next sort of uh, period, uh, I want to get some experience and international experience. So London's where where I'm going to live for, you know, the next few years and then I think we'll, uh, we'll start to recess after that. Is, it, is London the, the bee's knees for finance from what you've experienced? Um, I think there are a couple of big finance hubs. Obviously, New York's one and, and London's sort of 
if not on par, then very closely behind New York. So um, in the foreign exchange world, uh, where I am now, it's definitely the the hub of the world. I've seen I've seen you kind of work a room, seen you speak and engage with engage with different people. A e talk? Do you talk to clients directly? Do you kind of use those skills in your day to day work? Yes, very much so. And that's and the ability to be able to communicate with people um, in the office and with clients is is sort of really important and I think that's a big part of why I was offered a offered a job um, and that's a sort of skill set that I picked up uh, and that's kind of I, I guess it's not a skill set not something I really learned that's probably more who I am um, and and that's sort of crucial in in the line of work particularly because I'm sort of based around a more, more of a sales role as well yeah if you were advising a 16-year-old, 18-year-old, they're about to embark on that journey that you did. They want to be a professional cyclist. Would you tell them to just go full gas at this one thing? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would definitely encourage people to... I think if you want to make it at, in a, at a professional level, you've got to be prepared to commit to it wholeheartedly. Um, and to a certain extent... I'd say definitely, a, a, like in your teenage years, you've got to work hard at school. I think you having the ability to learn and having that sort of education behind you is never going away, you know. And I think that's an attribute you will always have. Um, but then once you commit to the sport, I think it's it's you've got to commit wholeheartedly. Um, for myself, I sort of basically committed to cycling with with no fallback option. Um, so there were very, some very tough times throughout my career, particularly in the early years, um, where if I had a fallback option, I probably would have taken it. But the fact that that was not there, it actually made me really commit to it even more so and, and probably made me even more of a resilient bike rider. How did you get that first contract? Oh, that first, sorry, not your first contract, your first gig in Europe. Um, my first... Uh, experience into Europe I, was, I, I got offered an associate AAS scholarship and I wasn't good enough to make the national team um, and back then as far as to develop riders to make the Australian under 23 team um, they were placing two or three riders in sort of Italian club teams so I got offered a, a ride with a, a small Italian club team up in Veneto um, where several Australian riders sort of use that as a, as a pathway to Europe um, and that was my first opportunity to, to race in Europe. I did that for a year before making the national team. And then the national, how many years with the national team? I did two years with the national team. And then? And then I wasn't sort of good enough to turn professional um, out of under 23s. Uh, so I took a contract with a, well, a continental team. So it's sort of a very low level professional team that was a Norwegian registered team. So I moved to France. Uh, I was based there to race with this Norwegian team. Um, which I did a season with them. Unfortunately, they, they lost their title sponsorship at the very beginning of the year. So that really sort of limited our racing program uh, that year. Uh, off the back of that, I uh, went back and did one more year amateur with a French club team. And, uh, are you sourcing these, these contracts yourself? How are you getting from team to team? Um, basically, yeah, pretty much. Well, I didn't have an agent or anything yeah. like that. It was just kind of word of mouth speak to this person they're looking for riders you've done well here so you should chat with that team whatever 
Um, but yeah, I was sort of 24 before I got offered my uh, first professional contract. So I was uh, in the amateur ranks for, for quite some time. Yeah. Well, thanks, Simon. All the best with your pursuits in your new role. And yeah, we look forward to following your progression. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me.